Sometimes, don't you just want to know what something is really like? You know, you look at a website or a brochure or something, you see details, and you're like, oh, this product looks amazing. You know, this, this place, this resort, whatever, oh, it looks unbelievable. I really want to go there. But then maybe you stop and think, well, I wonder, that's how they're advertising it, but I wonder what it's really like, you know? I think most of you know uh, by this point that my wife, Melissa, and I are foster parents uh, through Lorain County Children's Services. And uh, from time to time, Lorain County will have these open houses where they will invite prospective foster parents to come and find out if being a foster parent is going to be right for them or not. And so it's always interesting, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that come and they're trying to discern, you know, is this the path that maybe is right for me? And so the employees of Lorain County, they have their spiel and they tell you all, it's going to be like this. It tends to be a very positive, optimistic uh, perspective on things uh, with a little bit of, oh, and maybe it gets hard a little bit sometimes. You know, they're trying to recruit foster parents, of course. And so then once their spiel is done, then they cut loose the current boots-on-the-ground foster parents to go, and it's very dangerous of Lorraine County to do this, but they let us go and mix and mingle with the people that are trying to discern if this is right for them. So Melissa and I have done this uh, a bunch of times, although they ask her a lot more than they ask me now. I'm trying not to be hurt by that. Uh, but we go and, and we sit at the tables with people, and they've heard the spiel from the county, and they every time they lean in close to us and kind of in a conspiratorial way, they're like, okay, but what is it really like? What is it really like to be a foster parent? And so Melissa and I will say stuff like, well, you know, um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of good, you know, there's, it, it's rewarding, it's this and that, but let me tell you, it is tough. And so then we go on and, you know, talk about our experiences, the highs and the lows, and why I have certain gray hairs and don't sleep all the time. Um, but then usually the, the way that it, that it ends up is, but you know what? It is enough just to be able to love and care for those kids. That makes it all worth it. The, the tough stuff, it is enough to have those kids uh, in your family for as long as, as long as God wants to have them there. What is it really like, though? This uh, Matthew chapter 10 here from our gospel reading. This is kind of like the uh, discipleship version of that question. What is it really like? Okay, what's it really like to follow Jesus? And uh, you know, you might wonder, people in the crowds maybe are coming up to the 12 disciples, hey guys, what's it really like? Well, Jesus just tells everybody what it's like. He's very upfront about this. Uh, he warns his disciples to expect opposition as they follow and confess him in this world. Jesus is just, you got to appreciate his refreshing honesty, right? He's just anticipating, this is like the FAQ page on his website, here's what it's like, people, I'm gonna tell you. I wanna reread some of this from Matthew 10, because maybe it washed over you and it didn't impact you how scary and tough this sounds. Pick it up with, Matthew 10, verse 21. It says, Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And a little bit farther down, Jesus says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, and the servant like his master. 
If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, that's a fancy nickname for Satan, how much more will they malign those of his household? This is what following Jesus is really like. Where do I sign up, right? Yeah, not everybody at once. Where's the clipboard? This is tough stuff that Jesus is sharing with the people hearing him. So last week, we had in our gospel reading, Jesus is saying, hey, add this to your prayer list, guys. Pray for the Lord to raise up more workers to go out into the harvest. There's a lot of people that don't know God's truth. Um, Pray that he'll send more laborers to go out there. Well, the 12 disciples must have added this to their prayer list, and wow, God answered this very quickly because they are the answer to the prayer. They are being sent out. File this under the category of be careful what you pray for. The 12 have prayed. They are the laborers themselves. They are being sent out, and Jesus has given them a heads up for what it's going to be like. He says um, that they, are, they should expect opposition and persecution. It's not like there is a 30% chance today of some persecution. No, it is a given. It is going to happen when you follow Jesus and when you confess his name publicly, there will be difficulty, he says, uh, because of that missionary activity that they're engaging in. But Jesus said something in the course of this uh, that I I think is is a comfort for us. And I want to zero in on that. He says... It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher. So I want us to reflect upon this and to think, because Jesus is going to be, as we go through this passage, he's going to be making promises to us, and he's going to be telling us that he is enough. He is enough for us. Through the joys of life and through the most difficult parts of life, he is enough. But when life gets tough, this is going to be our our guiding question today. When life gets tough, is Jesus really enough? Now, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you that yes, he is. There's not a whole lot of tension uh, for that answer. But what I want to get into is, do we believe that? Do we actually trust in Jesus to be enough when life is at its most tough? So we're going to take a look at that. We're going to rest in what Jesus says, who he is, what he has done, what he continues to do for us on this journey of discipleship. A disciple, interestingly, um, you know, sometimes we would like to think of ourselves like, I'm my own person, right? I've got a lot of independence, uh, really when you're a disciple, you're, you're not so much like an independent individual. You're not really your own person. You're really most defined. You're really, your identity rests in that relationship with your teacher. And so thankfully for us, our main identity uh, comes from that relationship that we have to our teacher, to our master, our Lord Jesus. And so um, it is enough for us then, in one sense, to be like our teacher, Jesus. Um, Because by faith in Jesus, as we are connected to him, as we are in relationship with him, by extension then, we are in relationship with the Father. We are part of the family. We call our Heavenly Father our own Father by that faith relationship that we have with Jesus. And so Jesus is sent out now uh, on mission by God the Father to redeem and restore all lost people 
And uh, so Jesus kind of goes ahead of everyone else, and we see that he is encountering opposition and misunderstanding and persecution and hatred. And Jesus is saying to us, you know, like, well, what are you going to expect if you're following me? You know, he says, if they call the master of the house Beelzebul, if they're saying, if they're saying that Jesus is like in league with Satan, what are they going to say about us, the people that aren't quite as important, right? They're going to say worse things about us, maybe, might do worse things to us. Well, what do they do to Jesus? Ultimately, he suffers and he dies. So we see that what happens to Jesus happens to us. What Jesus does, uh, we're going to do. But remember what happened to Jesus ultimately. He suffers and dies, yes, but he is raised by the power of the Father. And so we rest in that comfort that even though this life may bring difficulty, it might be tough, it might even end with great suffering, that the Lord also will raise us up just like he raised up Jesus. So we, we look ahead and we rest in those promises, but we still have to navigate the difficult waters of following Jesus here in this life. And so uh, some of the things that Jesus says here in Matthew 10, they apply uh, specifically to the 12 disciples. So like it's grounded in the context in that day and age, that particular mission as they're going town to town. Um, but a lot of it is also more broadly applicable to a bunch of other people. Um, and so I think in a very special way, you know, there might be people that are like pastors, teachers, you know, like uh, career missionaries. They might... Uh, draw more opposition and persecution than others. Um, but just because you, maybe not all of us out there today are pastors, teachers, missionaries, um, you, this still applies to you. So you actually have to listen to the rest of the sermon. There are like seven seconds there. You had a glimmer of hope that you were like, well, this doesn't apply to me. Uh, but it does, though, because all of us, as we've been talking about recently, we are all missionaries sent out to confess Jesus and share him with our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, anybody that God's put us near. So Jesus is telling us, yeah, it's going to be tough. This life's going to be tough. And so... Uh, some of you may be thinking, I haven't, Pastor, I haven't really found it to be that difficult yet. I don't feel, feel persecuted or anything. Others of you, though, might think, I don't know, I actually have started to feel this. Maybe from the beginning of my life to now, I've seen a totally different attitude. You know, I, I think some of us are going to be on one extreme or the other. Others maybe have like really felt um, some difficulty from confessing Jesus in their life. But no matter what, um, whether it, it comes to you directly or whether you kind of just hear it said about Christians as a blanket statement, we're going to be called things like, you know, intolerant, uh, narrow-minded, hateful, and probably pretty soon a lot more things that I can't even say in church or I'd get in trouble. You know, there's going to be a lot of vitriol. I mean, and there already is a lot of hatred given to those who identify with Jesus and confess his name here in this world. And Jesus is saying that he is in it with us. Because he's already gone through it too. He's kind of led us in that regard. He's in the suffering with us and he is saying, I am enough for you. In the midst of the toughest things, I am enough. So we have a tension to deal with today. 
On one hand, we have life is tough as a disciple of Jesus. And on the other hand, Jesus says, I am enough for you in this life. And so, so in the middle here, we're kind of you know, wrestling with all these things. How are we to live knowing that both of these things are true? And so in the midst of this tension, Jesus, uh, Jesus invites us um, not to fear. Um, can, if you can go to the next slide. Um, there we go. Oh, we, put, we hit it at the same time. All right. Jesus invites us not to fear three times in this passage. Did you catch that? There are three do not fears. We're going to look at those. It's not because Jesus is saying, oh, there's nothing to be afraid of. Why are you scared? No, he's saying there are some very real things to be afraid of, but I'm going to tell you why. Because of promises that I can make to you, you do not need to let fear overcome you. Fear does not need to overtake you. I am enough. So he says, do not fear. Let's look at the three things that he says. First, he says, do not fear because God's truth will be revealed. This is kind of that business of he's saying, you know, what you hear uh, in the dark, say in the light. What you hear whispered, shout it from the rooftops, right? He is saying, you can go ahead and boldly proclaim the truth of my word, my message to this world, and I'm going to back you up. I'm not going to push you out there and then you're going to be saying something about Jesus and then I'm going to like shy away from you and be like, I don't know what he's saying. No, God will back you up. And so it's difficult for us right now, I think, in this world because uh, it is a minority opinion. Uh, the things of God now are, is the minority opinion. The majority do not hold God's word sacred. They do not confess Jesus as their Lord. And so it, to us... We're following Jesus and we're confessing his name and we're thinking, I think we're losing. This doesn't seem like it's going very well. And so we kind of, our confidence might get shaken and we think, is this stuff really true? Is God going to back me up ultimately? God says that he is. He says that his truth is going to be revealed. It is going to be, um, all will know that this has been the reality all along at some point. Just because the majority of people don't believe it now doesn't make it any less true or less certain. So God says, be confident, boldly proclaim my word, believe it, stand firm, and I'm going to back you up all the way. That's do not fear number one. Do not fear number two. Do not fear because earthly enemies can only affect your earthly life. The worst thing, Jesus is saying, the worst thing that your earthly enemies can do is kill you. Okay, I've lost all of you now. You're, you're like, pastor, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I agree, right? Well, just think about, think about that for a minute. The worst thing that these earthly enemies can do is, is kill your body. They cannot do anything worse than that. Now you're saying, that's about the worst thing I can imagine, um, but God, Jesus is saying, there is a very clear boundary line. They cannot touch anything past it. They cannot touch your eternity. The worst that Satan and the world can throw at you cannot touch your eternal relationship with God the Father that Jesus has formed by his, by his suffering and his death and his resurrection for you. It's scary, though, in the day-to-day. -day. Oh, yeah, it's scary. I know for, for myself, I get so grounded in, uh, in the day-to-day -day life, right? I mean, I don't... I, 
I don't know what eternity is like, right? I, I, all I know is this. And so at all the twists and turns, they are so important. And I'm like rising and falling with everything with, oh, it's so difficult. And, um, but this life, it's so short compared to the life to come, right? We don't always think about it that way because we're so grounded in the day to day. But Jesus is saying, yeah, it's gonna be tough, but you just wait for what I have prepared for you. I'm gonna go with you through all this tough stuff, but they can, these enemies cannot get you any further than that. And so he's, he's kind of inviting you to just do that thought experiment and think, oh yeah, you know what? It's actually, it's better to, to make mortal enemies in this life than to appease the enemies in this world, to get on their good side and then get into eternity and find that you have made an eternal enemy out of God the Father. So Jesus is kind of appealing to our logic to wrap our minds around that. Do not fear because these earthly enemies, all they can do is affect this life, the shorter life. And finally, Jesus says, do not fear because God will be with you through suffering and will preserve your eternal life. This is, uh, he, he compares us to sparrows, right? And he says, do you know that the father is taking care of all the sparrows? How much more is he taking care of you? How much more is he in the details? How much more does he care about any kind of suffering that you might be going through? I think the, our, our confidence gets shaken sometimes when, when we are facing opposition and when we are suffering and we think to ourselves, maybe God has abandoned me. Because I'm going through this, is this a sign that God has forsaken me? That's like our worst fear when we're going through that because it doesn't look very good in the short term. But Jesus is saying, the Father does not overlook his people even when they're suffering. He is not overlooking. He is in the suffering with you. And that is a great comfort for us to know that God will preserve our life all the way through the end, even through death, and he will preserve our life unto that life everlasting that Christ Jesus has won for us. So Jesus works his way through these three promises attached to these invitations not to fear. And so as we're going through these tensions, life is tough, Jesus is enough, we hold on to these three promises right here in the middle, and we think, yeah, I, I am gonna trust in Jesus and pray that his, my trust in him, that his strength will overcome, it will win the day against the fear of my earthly enemies. Jesus also says these words, though, at the end of the gospel reading. He says, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. And then frankly, I wish he would have stopped after that, but he keeps going. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. That word acknowledge uh, can also sometimes be translated as confess. We use that word a lot, can we confess our sins, we confess our faith using the creed, uh, we confess Jesus publicly, you know, tell what we believe in him. But that word confession, one way to, describe, to define it is, confession is the evidence of what is in the heart. So whenever we have an opportunity to publicly confess Jesus, we are able to show what is in our heart, that, 
that simple foundational trust that Jesus is enough over and against anything else we might be going through. And then we have the confidence, we have the promise of Jesus that he says at, at, on the last day, he's gonna say, yep, this one's mine. They, they confessed me. He's mine and she's mine. They're mine. But then the terrible opposite of this is also true. That those who deny Jesus, that, that is betraying a lack of faith in the heart, or maybe betraying a faith that is being slowly but surely eroded and potentially destroyed by fear of others, fear of the world, fear of men, fear of enemies. That confession is evidence of what is in the heart. And so I know when I hear this, I really, I, I am so convicted by this saying of Jesus. And maybe you are too. I just, I like wanna fall to my knees when I hear this. And I, I'm reminded of that most famous public denier of Jesus. You guys already know who I'm gonna say, Peter. Three opportunities he had to confess or deny Jesus. He went 0 for three, denied him. And what did Jesus do for him? There was forgiveness and there was restoration even for Peter. And then what did Jesus give him opportunity to, to do after that? He got to talk, he got to confess Jesus on Pentecost to thousands of people. And so I take very, I take a lot of comfort and encouragement from that, that Jesus will give us additional opportunities to confess him publicly. Now I wanna leave us here with this thought. This is, uh, I know this is kind of a tough, <laughs> this is kind of a tough sermon. It's kind of been a tough one for me to work through too. These are some hard sayings of Jesus. But knowing all these things, who are you going to allow to influence the way that you live? Is it gonna be men or is it gonna be God? I'll tell you one thing, if you choose, if you're gonna allow men, the, the forces of this world, to call the shots, if you're gonna bow down to men, this life is gonna be easier, right? If you just wanna be a, a good soldier, be agreeable, be neutral, keep your mouth shut, just follow the crowd, um, it'll, be, it'll be easier for you. But what about eternity? Yeah, not so great. But if you allow God to call the shots, if you bow to God, if you confess Jesus boldly, this life, I can guarantee, Jesus guarantees it, it's gonna be harder. But eternity, it's gonna be joyful beyond compare because of that eternity that Jesus has won for you by his death and by his resurrection. So I pray that you will go forward from this day, well aware, as Jesus tells us, that this is gonna to be tough, but that you will trust that he is enough for you. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for your word even when it challenges us. We pray that, that this word will help us to, to rest in your strength, uh, to, to believe in your promises even more firmly. Help us not to fear men. Help us to trust in you, to follow you, to boldly confess you, and to know that you are enough.